Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here at IndyStar.com. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, but the star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle. And Greg, as we know, you are in the entire sports department, Nat and Matt and Clark and all the writers that you guys have over there, Kyle, etc., are very hardworking guys. But um, shout out to your newsroom and all of your reporters, because once every four years, this is kind of the time where, you know, people like Allison Carter are up for, what, 72, 96 hours straight trying to sort all this out for us. So I greatly, greatly appreciate. I'm not one of those sports guys that, like, knocks on the news people for having pizza and working on a deadline because you work on a deadline all the time, right? But I, I just want to acknowledge the fact of how important this journalism is from, from folks like The Star to kind of keep us abreast of what's going on not just nationally, which we can get anywhere, but but locally, especially with some of these races. Yeah, two things. Actually, three things. Uh, one is, for folks listening that have not heard the name Allison Carter before from us, and you haven't, she is a delightful follow on Twitter. Go look and see. She's got 10,000 followers, and she's not breaking news. She's not analyzing stuff. I mean, she just is delightful. I mean, she has things to say, and delightfully. So there's a reason she's got 10,000. Um, second thing is we are covering this state. Indy star is, and of course all newspapers, but I work for the star. We're covering the state and, and providing about as much coverage as we ever have on election night with half one third, one fourth, the newsroom we had 10 years ago. It's amazing what people can do when they have to. And it's amazing what our people do do. And the third thing I want to say is I got an email from a guy and I'll name him. Uh, I've, because I can remember it, Troy Rindelman, whoever you are. I got an email from him saying uh, the other day, hey, Greg, um, I like reading your stories, but I can't justify paying for it when there's so much free content out there. Is there any way I can find them for free? And he was completely serious. And my first thought is I'm going to tell him that, you know, I'm going to try that start, next time I go to Starbucks. I'm going to say, I, I like your coffee, but I've got a Keurig at home. I really can't justify spending three bucks for it, but... Is there any way I can get it for free? I thought about that, but instead, well, all I said to him was, um, I can't justify giving you a way to find my stories for free when there are so many people in my newsroom, including me, that need a paycheck to pay our bills and feed our families. And he didn't respond to that. So Troy Rindelman, you know, the dialogue box is open. But uh, anyway, he just is a, just like this election, just like everything, everything's a microcosm. It's a simile. It's, an, it's, a, it's something for the bigger picture and you know you got on the one hand you got Troy Rindelman's the world want it free because they can't justify paying for it well good luck reading somebody like me anywhere else first of all good good luck finding that second of all good luck finding anything like our newsroom that produces what we produce good luck finding that you're right you can find free SHI you know what out there you can find it uh but you get what you pay for and I'll stop there yeah and it's work you should get paid for your work 
right? By, by the consumers that want to consume it. And if you yes. don't want to consume it, that's fine. But don't tell me you don't want to consume it. Like, I don't go to Starbucks and walk in there and say, hey, guys, nice to see you. I know that you need business to, uh, to make sure you all stay employed. But you know what? I really like uh, Caribou Coffee down the street. I'm going to go there. Just want to let you know that I'm not spending money here. <laughs> Bye. Like, you don't do that. But cruelty. Like, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. And I, I know that we all, you know, looking back on it, 15, 20 years ago, the newspaper industry made a big mistake in making everything free initially when the internet stuff first started because people got used to it and I think people got spoiled with it. But, you know, especially in this economy with everything going on right now and this fight for $15 universal minimum wage and, you know, people seem to be like way more focused on these issues now for somebody to be asking for something for somebody else's work for free. That's surprising to me. Um, and talk and about being it. dead serious about it. Oh, dead serious. Um, yeah. I imagine, and, and I can see this day coming, actually. I hadn't thought about it until this moment, but, you know, we all love Twitter. Well, a lot of people do love Twitter. And I would dare I say a lot of us are addicted to it. Um, what if Twitter decided, you know, in, in a month that we got you right where we want you and uh, we're going to start charging, you know, just $3 a month, a little subscription. But if you want to be on Twitter, you got you to pay for it. Um, that. And I wonder if that's going to happen someday with Facebook, with Twitter, with things that everybody mm -hmm. wants. And we've all gotten used to getting it for free, is my point. I wonder if the day is coming where other internet entities are going to realize, man, we gave it away for free for 10, 15 years, and we can't do this anymore, and nobody wants to pay. So anyway, I don't know. That's just a – I would love to see it go that direction, not because I want to pay for Twitter and Facebook. I would just love to see that in general, if you want to be on the internet, you got to pay for it. I would, I would like all a la carte basis, whatever, but I'd like to see that someday because I'd like to be employed until I retire. I think you'd clear out a lot of the troll anonymous accounts that way by making it a pay for service. And you say addiction, um, you know, my wife <laughs> mentions that with me with Twitter. Um, at this point, it's become such a part of my life, Greg, that I would I would I would pay, you know, nine ninety nine a month for Twitter access. I would. Well, um, here's like a satellite radio. I mean, yeah. we all got radio for free all of our lives. Once they introduce satellite radio, I pay for that now. You know, um, mm -hmm. and, and this is not a PSA anymore for the Indie Star. Please subscribe. This is just more about the bigger picture of the things you get used to getting for free and the things you decide you'd pay for. And you're, it's interesting that you, that you say that you would pay for Twitter, and um, and I probably would too. Hell, I'd have to because that's how I you know tweet my links out. Sure. But, uh, but I, I pay happily. I'm not, I'm not happy about it. But I don't ever even think for a second about satellite radio. Maybe not this year. No, no, no. I'm, I'm buying it. I'm used to it. I like it. I want it. And I've seen the other side. It's like uh, the difference between satellite radio and FM is like the difference between me and whatever crap you're going to get for free. Good luck. Good luck. But I'm satellite radio. And if you want to listen to the best, it, there's only one spot. And it's right here. And I'm sorry I'm so arrogant right now, but I'm just really in a bad mood about the world right now. Yeah, because I was going to. And I'm not in the mood to not be honest. So yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to ignore what's going on. I think that you know the stick to sports thing. Um, I like what Matt Jones at Kentucky Sports Radio had to say. I, I read an article somewhere today about how you know a, a good radio host talks about the conversations that his listeners are having, and clearly everybody's talking about the election today. So even though we have a ton of sports stuff to talk about, and obviously all of it is positive, right? The Colts playing really well. Indiana and Purdue both undefeated in Big Ten play, 2-0 for the first time since 1972. And Purdue's path just got a lot of easier, and I, I want to get to all that, but it, doesn't it just feel kind of weird or off to be talking about sports right now? Yeah, I, I uh, 
you know, I went to bed last night. I was trying not to look at Twitter. I was trying not to, you know, track it on a state by state basis. You know, this state is announced. We're announcing it. The AP is announcing it for what I tried not to. It's just too hard because we're all so invested. Um, I, I, I finally went to bed. It wasn't settled. Hoping to wake up this morning with something and woke up this morning with nothing really. And, and, uh, and I'm, 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 I think I'm starting to feel depressed um, because no matter who wins at this point, I mean, it matters obviously more than anything, but no matter who wins, America has spoken a large part of America. I mean, much bigger than I thought. And I knew what, you know, we've been living here for four years. We, we know what we have, but I, I didn't realize anyway, America's spoken and it's really disturbing and depressing. Frankly, it's depressing. It's sad. Um, thought I had one more thing to say about this, but I'll, I'll let it go there. Well, at the end of the day, um, people are going to vote in their own self-interest. And why is so, that? Why is that? Uh, it, I wish I could tell you, Greg. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, people, when forced to make that decision, they're going to think about, they're going to make the selfish decision. And, you know, part of me is like, well, it's America. You're allowed to make a decision for yourself and your family, right? That's what this country is about. But you know, some people, I think, don't think about, hey, how do we make this a better place for everyone? They think about how, how does how do I make this a better place just for me or just for mine? And yeah. I, I think that's why you run into what we have here. But, I, you know, I'm not surprised by what we're seeing. Um, I knew that this I felt like this was going to be a close shave because I, I after what happened in 2016, I kind of threw out the polls and all of that. I, I know what they said about Biden's lead and, and the whole thing. And um, I don't think his camp even thought that they were ahead as much as some people were saying that they were ahead. But what I'm what I'm just hopeful for, Greg, is that every legal vote gets counted. And then whether it's two days, three days, two weeks, three weeks, we get a winner. Um, but what I'm worried about is that we're going to have a, a people questioning the legitimacy of this election. And, and if that happens, that's a whole nother ball of wax um, for this country to have to deal with. Well, we're screwed either way. Either We're screwed either way because either the wrong person's going to win and we're screwed or we're screwed because the right person's going to win, but it's so close, the wrong person's... It's obviously going to be that close, whoever wins. So either the wrong person wins and we're screwed or the right person wins but it's so close, the wrong person won't won't allow it. And then what happens? You know, I don't know. You know, I saw a great tweet last night um, before I shut my, my phone off. And this might have been the one that drove me away, actually. You know, I love The Wire. I love The Wire. I've watched it a few times. I was late to the game. I wasn't, you know, I was late to the game. Anyway, I, I do love it. I realized what I was missing, and it's awesome. Well, there's a tweet last night from somebody that said how amazing it is that the rest of the world is watching America tonight hoping they can finally somehow get their stuff together. It's almost as if we're bubbles from the wire. Everybody's rooting for us, but we're just so damn hapless. <laughs> we're not going to get it right. We are bubbles from the wire. Bubs. Yeah. We're bubs. Bubs was great. Yeah. He Bubs was, was my, if I'm doing a top three, uh, Bunny Colvin is one, Bubs is two. And I loved, even though he had far less camera time than anybody else, I love Slim Charles because he always had the great like one-liners. Um, Clay Davis was a great character as well. Didn't the know, crooked uh, senator. Yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't Slim Charles just look like the way he carried himself? He just looked like he would be an NFL receiver or time. He just had this look about him. I mean, he just looked yeah. like like Bubs didn't look at a lot. Of, but Slim Charles just looked like a great athlete. By the way, my favorite character is uh, um, Stringer Bell. 
because, and I'm very comfortable saying this, I really don't care anybody thinks. Um, what's his name? Who played him? Oh, I, Idra Ibis or yeah, Idra, uh, yeah, Idra yeah. Is, Sorry, I always get his name wrong. Yeah, well, I'm surprised I lost. I, I couldn't conjure it up because what I'm about to say is he is the single most handsome man I've ever seen in my life, and <laughs> and I can't take my eyes off him. And I, and I'm I'm not coming out of any yeah. closet. I mean, I am what I am, and I'm a straight guy. But yeah. but he is he is the most handsome man I've ever seen. So I and he, and he carries himself with such charisma in that show. He's so confident and quiet and. Like behind the scenes, you know he can kill you, but he's he's just a he's a like a brilliant businessman and going to college and anyway, Idris Elbus will always be my favorite character, Stringer Bell, always because I I've never seen anything like that. Well, it makes it, what's make this show great because it challenges your perceptions of what a high level drug dealer is because you have somebody like that who looks like he's just got it all together, right? Whereas it's wears a, a nice suit and stuff like that, and at the end of the day, he's just trying to push you know, Coke out there on the streets or heroin or whatever else. Right. Um, let's, let's get into the Colts because, you know, this is the Doyle and Derek podcast and we are supposed to talk about those things and they're good things to talk about. So if you are sad about happy, mad, sad, whatever from last night, um, you're, you're going to be happy if you're a Colts fan with what we've seen. I just thought, Greg, that was a really important win over Detroit. We talked about it last week and, and I had a little bit of a higher opinion of the lines than you did. Um, I'm not going to sit here and argue that they're a, a really good football team. They're not. I think they're like Cincinnati where on your worst day, they can beat you. Um, you know, the Jets on your worst day aren't going to beat you no matter what. That's just a bad team. So I just thought it was really important for the Colts to come out and really assert dominance. And that's what they did. I thought it was the most well-rounded game, special teams aside, that they played all year. Yeah, that, that, it was important to win that game uh, for a lot of reasons. But I, I think it was important that they win that game the way they did. Because you're, if you're a playoff team, you dispose of the Detroit's of the world pretty handily. And if you're not a playoff team, you might beat them, but five weeks from now, you might be eight and eight or whatever. So I, a playoff team does what the Colts did to the Lions. And by the way, if you're a Bill Belichick disciple, Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, you know, know he's getting a a new lease on life. Yeah. And that one hurts me a little bit because Romeo I grew up in Oxford, Mississippi with Romeo Cornell's girls, Tiffany and uh, and I forget the other one's name. They were on my soccer team, the Roadrunners. Really? And my wow. dad was the coach. Yeah. So and, and they were the best Tiffany was the best player on the team. I mean, she was, I think, my age, but taller than everybody, because you know, girls grow up, but the best athlete on the field, faster than everybody else, the best anyway. So I, I hate saying this about Romeo because and also because I think he's kind of hapless. I don't think he's very good. I, I don't think most of them are very good, Patricia. But if you're a Bill Belichick disciple, it, if you've decided that that it's okay to hit your wagon to that cart and and all that comes with it, and you've decided that's okay, that you put your just like this election, you put your personal interest ahead of what's right, and that is to get as far away from that guy as possible. I don't like you. I don't like you. And Matt Patricia, I don't like him. Josh McDaniels, I don't like him. Uh, the guy Vrabel or Mike Mike Vrabel, whoever the coach of the Tides, I don't like you. If you're connected to that scumbag, I don't like you. And uh, that, so Patricia, I, it probably clouds my opinion of Patricia. He might be better than I think he is, although I, I, nobody thinks he's very good. I think he sucks. And I think he sucks because he's Matt Patricia and he coached for Bill Belichick. Well, Belichick's the best at what he does. Shouldn't you want to be on the staff of the guy that's the, like, let's use a, an example here locally. You know, do, do you say that about, you know, anybody from, I, I know Bob Knight's coaching tree, we're talking about 20, 25, 30 years ago, but. 
you know, Ron Felling, Dan Dockich, um, you know, he had a bunch of different assistants over the years, I guess. And I don't blame those guys from wanting to stay on and learn from somebody like that, even if you have to put up with some certainly erratic behavior. Now, I get that. That's a, I get the comparison. And, I, and I'm just going to, I guess, be splitting atoms or needles here, whatever you split. But um, Bob Knight didn't cheat. He wasn't a cheater. He, he tried to win the right way. Now, you can certainly argue about all the other stuff, and I'm not here to tell anybody they're wrong. But at the very least, if you coach for Bob Knight, you were taught that you win the right way. Now, okay, we can parse words. The right way isn't choking players. I get it. But he won the right way on the court and when he recruited. And Belichick hasn't. And Belichick doesn't need to cheat because he's that good. He cheats anyway. So screw Bill Belichick. Screw Matt Patricia. <laughs> screw Josh McDaniels. And yeah. I, I don't hold the same. I don't hold players like Jacoby played there. It's not his fault. He was drafted by the Patriots or acquired. I don't know how he got there. I don't hold players accountable for being on the roster. But if you choose to get your paycheck signed by that guy and by Bob Kraft, don't get me started on Bob Kraft. I'm in a bad mood today. Don't get me started on Bob oh, Kraft. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's change the subject quickly. You're in rare form today. I don't think I've ever seen you like this before. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off. How about this for a transition? Because you you brought up Brissett. Um, last year, this team was five and two, and we all know what happened after that. They finished two and seven. They missed the playoffs entirely. Colts' schedule gets much much more difficult. They're five and two with the easiest schedule in the NFL through seven games. So. What is more likely? Uh, this is a much different team and a playoff team in 2020, or is there any concern at all, Greg, that perhaps this could be the same bubble that the five and two bubble was that burst fairly quickly when they were five and two last year at this point? Well, I think they're better, but I don't think they're a lot better. Um, they're a lot better on defense and, and defense, although in the NFL this year, defense is not nearly as important as you know it used to be, but their defense is clearly better. There's no way around that. Uh, their offense, I don't know how much better it really is. And I also know that that losing Marlon Mack and with T.Y. Hilton having an issue and, and maybe he's falling off a cliff and not coming back, I don't think their offense – their quarterback's better, but I'm not sure their offense is any better than it was a year ago in different ways, different shapes and forms. I know the defense is better. And I know the special teams is better. I, I kind of pause when I say that because we just saw Blankenship miss two extra points, and granted, both snaps were imperfect – uh, one of them was really imperfect, but the ball was there for him to hit it, and he missed it. So what are we looking at? I don't know. So I, I want to be upbeat, like really upbeat about the Colts and say you're an 11-5 team, but you know the schedule getting tougher and what we've seen. I think this 5-2 and two team is better than last year's 5-2 and two team, but I don't think it's markedly better, no. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think they're better in two very important ways, um, and they're both the same way but on either side of the ball. They can make big plays. Defensively, they can make big plays, another pick six on Sunday, and they lead the NFL in, in interceptions, and the defensive line is just wreaking all kinds of havoc. They're amazing against the run. They're generating pressure with their front four. It's something the Colts haven't done in years. Um, and offensively, for all their flaws, because the running game is just and, – and we'll talk about this, Greg. The running game is so weird to me that they can't seem to figure it out and get the ball rolling with the same offensive line and three capable running backs – but at least they have the ability with Marcus Johnson, as crazy as it sounds, to make big plays. What are they, fourth? I think it, I think Jim Aiello had the stat, your colleague over at the start, they're fourth in explosive plays, so 15-plus yards offensively in the entire NFL. And that's something they just couldn't do last year they, they, because they had a quarterback who couldn't do it. I'm not trying to lay all the offensive inefficiency on, on Brissett, but they, they just could not be a big play offense with a guy who was afraid to throw downfield. And it's amazing that, 
the, the two guys that are getting the job done down the field, at least recently, uh, and, and going forward, might be the two guys, are Marcus Johnson and Ashton Doolin. You know, it reminds me of when uh, Rashad, Rashad Melvin and Pierre Desir. I like remember. Once upon a time, yeah. when they were first on the roster and guys kept getting hurt or whatever, and they're starting Melvin and Desir, and it was like, oh, geez. And then you come to find out, hey, those guys, best corner on the team. Met Melvin three or four years ago, whatever that was, and Desir a couple years ago. Best corners on the team, just given the chance. Well, Ashton Doolin's kind of like Pierre Desir. Like, oh, geez, you got to play Ashton Doolin and Marcus Johnson. Those are your receivers? Well, maybe they're pretty good, you know, and they just are getting the chance to show it right now. They're both certainly very fast. Nashville Doolin's real fast. And Philip Rivers, unlike Jacoby, who didn't want those picks, and that's, a, that's a admirable, Philip kind of doesn't care. He's throwing the ball as far as he can, and he figures, you know, they say only three things can happen when you throw the ball, two of them are bad. Interception, incompletion, those are bad. The way Philip operates, I think he thinks two out of three are good. We're going to catch it or we're going to get pass interference. Um, yeah. and, and I'll take the odds of those two things. So that's how Philip operates, and it's it's kind of cool to watch. But real quick about the running game, um, to me it's pretty clear. It has been clear since the first game. Um, I'm not sure if I wrote this even maybe in a sentence. Maybe I did. But Jonathan Taylor doesn't have the patience right now to find holes. He is used to, and he, you know, I, I don't, I don't blame him. He played in high school where, where it's a certain way, but certainly Wisconsin, where their lines get open holes. You get the ball, and as fast as you can, hit it. And if you've got some momentum going, they're not going to catch you until 80 yards because you're that fast. Well, NFL's not quite like that. And you see Le'Veon Bell back when he, you know, was playing a lot was was so good at it. Marlon Mack is a poor man's Le'Veon Bell, which is really good in that he will get the ball and hop around left and right and left and right and find his hole, and then go, and then he goes. Jonathan Taylor won't do that. He gets the ball, and he goes. And the hole's not there yet. Jordan Wilkins will hop around looking for it, and he'll find the hole. So point is, if the offensive line's blowing holes open, Jonathan Taylor's the guy you want because he's going to hit it fast, and you're not going to catch him. But in the NFL, it's not going to happen that way always, and you need a Marlon Mack or Jordan Wilkins who will actually kind of take the time for it to uh, open up. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, and this is a small part of it because we're only talking about a, a little sample size. I think Reich has gotten a little cute at times with the running game, uh, particularly running on second and long to be unpredictable when it has like a, a negative success rate. Um, Matt Newell, another one of your colleagues, I'll give you another star shout out, had a stat that on second and seven runs, uh, second and seven or longer runs with Hines, he has seven carries for negative two yards. Like, we all saw it on Sunday. What you need to do with Naheem Hines is get him in space because right. he's special when he's out there and it's just him in air because he can do a lot of things. He's shifty. He's an insane athlete. He has fantastic speed and acceleration and all of it, but you can't run him between the tackles. That's not his skill set. So I, I think another thing that I hope the Colts are figuring out as we go, which is weird with Hines and Wilkins, guys that have been in the system for two or three years, you know, you just have to kind of identify the skill sets of these guys and, and put them in positions to succeed. And I'm not sure that they've always done that this year with the run game. But still, Greg, you were there in Houston last year, right? Jonathan Williams, who's like the fourth running back on Detroit right now, who basically is a fringe NFL roster player, ran for 100 yards twice for this team last year. Like, this was a dominant running game in 2019, and to see it barely be mediocre this year, even with Taylor's limitations and losing Mac and all of that, it's it's by far the most shocking thing to me of this 2020 Colts team. Yeah, and, and teams game plan for your strength. And so on the one hand, 
if you're playing the Colts, you know you've got to find a way around that offensive line. You've got to mm-hmm. do different things and maybe sell out other areas of the field, but but you can't let them manhandle you. And that might explain some of it. Um, but, I, I mean, and the season's only halfway, not quite that, so a lot can happen. But um, if Quentin Nelson makes the Pro Bowl this year, if he – the first seven games he's played, if he basically repeats those, you know, plus two more for 16 games, if he makes the Pro Bowl, it will be clearly on reputation only. And I'm not saying he's had a bad year, but he's not been what we've seen. He's not he's not done it. And, I, and again, I don't know if that's because other teams are now, they're bringing two guys at him every time, and, he, you know, you can't help but look not quite as good. I don't know what it is. But the offensive line, I'm not blaming on Quentin Nelson. He's just, you know, the most famous guy on the, on the line. They're not having the year they've had, those guys up front. Um, what you said about Naheem Hines, you know, real quick, uh, the reason, and, and, I, and he does get the ball too much in these situations, but the reason why, you know, like some NFL teams have a fullback, not many, but some do. And the ones that do, they'll give him the ball once a game in the middle of the field, like maybe on second and seven, they'll give that fullback just because they want the other team to know you got to pay attention a little bit. They almost know it won't work, but we're going to do it just so you don't completely ignore him and make it 11 on 10 when he's on the field. And I think that's why Hines and gets the ball like he does, and and, and th- because I think they're just trying to make sure, hey, don't think we won't give it to him. So you got to pay attention a little bit. Having said that, I think they go a little bit too far with that. Yeah, because you're setting yourself up for third nine, third and ten, third and eleven with Rivers, which is not ideal because we all know, you, you know, when you get him in third and longs, so you might have a propensity to make a mistake. Um, next four games, twice against Tennessee, Baltimore, and Green Bay, which after this last week is looking a little less daunting because Green Bay shockingly lost to a bad Minnesota team at home. Tennessee's lost two straight, and, and Lamar Jackson just has not thrown the ball well this year, and, and they've got all kinds of issues with injuries and COVID and everything else going on there at Baltimore. Probably a good time to be playing them. But what, in your eyes, Greg, is a, is a good, uh, survivable, if you will, run here over these next four games instead of picking them individually like two and two three and one you know what, what do you think the Colts can do here over this what many are calling a season defining stretch well I'm, I'm not an idiot so I realize that four and oh is the best possible answer and I realize three and one is a really good looking answer but if you're asking me when the season ends what do they need to do in these four games to make sure they're a playoff team two and two yeah. I think two and two gets them in the playoffs and I think one and three might but well, especially if that one wins against the Titans. But uh, I think two and two, you you split these games and, and get at least one of those wins against the Titans, you're in. Because you're there's there's maybe three or four games left that you know you're going to win. So if they can get two here and they got three more, they I know they can win. That'll be that'll be what ten. So that that's my thought. What's yours? Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat because I think ten does it because the second wild card. Let's assume that the AFC North loser is one of the wild cards, which at this point looks like Baltimore. Even though, you know, who knows? Their season might fall apart from here. Um, the other playoff spot is what? The Browns, Raiders. I guess you have to include the Dolphins in that mix. Like to me, and I get that the Colts kind of embarrassed themselves in Cleveland not too long ago. Um, I think the Colts are better and should be better than all three of those teams. Um, oh, and sure. I'm ready to count out the Patriots at two and five. And I think everybody else in the AFC is just downright bad. So um, I think they've got a, a, a really good shot if the division door closes because of Tennessee, who I still think is better than them. Um, I think that wild card should be right there for the taking. I mean, I, my, my firm expectation all along, Greg, is that this was going to be a playoff team. Like I felt like nine, 10 wins and a playoff team. And I haven't really wavered on that. Um, I, I don't think that they're a contender. I don't think that anything that they do from here on out is going to signify to me that they're a contender. 
because especially with the running game struggling as much as it is. Um, but I do firmly believe that they're good enough, mostly because of that playmaking defense to be a playoff team. Kind of remarkable that you're saying that and, and, and that people I'm sure are agreeing, and I am too, that and we're talking about a team that has lost Marlon Mack and has essentially lost T.Y. Hilton. Not not all the way. I'm not talking about the yeah. groin injury. Just in general, he's not what he was. He's not even close. So it's amazing that you're saying that about a team that's lost what we thought were their two best skill players coming into the season and, and, and should have been their two best skill. So that's remarkable. Uh, you mentioned the Patriots, and uh, I don't know if I've made this clear, but I want them to lose every game. <laughs> and they're two and five, and it's beautiful, and, and I, or whatever they are. And, and, and gloating is stupid because no matter what happens this year, no matter what happens the next 10 years, they've got more rings than everybody, and you can't take that away. So what happens this year doesn't doesn't make anybody forget the previous 15. But I, still, at some point, I need them to lose. I'm tired of them winning. I'm tired of Belichick winning. I'm tired of, Bob, I'm tired of seeing Bob Kraft and hearing that icky voice of his knowing who he really is with his grubby little fingers. So tired of that. Um, the, my biggest disappointment of the season, honestly, if like I was doing a story of it, like here's your 10 biggest things you wish you wish you hadn't seen on the field, is Tom Brady has all of his wins at Tampa. I hate that. I like Bruce yeah. Arians, at least I thought I did, until he went out and got Tom Brady. I don't like you anymore, Bruce, either, because you wanted to get Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't like you, Bruce. Sorry. I don't like how you look with that beard. It kind of freaks me out, but I don't like it. I don't like you. I don't like Tom Brady. I don't like Bucks fans that think it's okay to have that guy on their team. It's not okay. You're not okay. I'm not very happy with Florida right now in general. Um, and my dad last night, for the record, uh, ran was running for state congress in Polk County. And it was a red sweep in that county and most of the state. And my dad lost. So he's probably done running for things. And So I'm not oh, real happy sorry, with Tampa Bay either. Yeah. I don't like you. And I really don't like you, Tom Brady. I don't care how good-looking you are. I used to think he was the best-looking guy I'd ever seen. First of all, Idris Elba's replaced him. Second of all, Tom Brady's a cheap <laughs> scumbag. So, the hell with you. Uh, how about two happy things? Uh, the Patriots. Oh, I'm very happy like ripping Tom Brady. Don't make me. Don't get. Don't get it twisted. The Patriots dynasty is most likely over. All things come to an end. It proves we were worried that it was never going to end. And two, election news. Um, last tweet that I saw from Mike Wells, he was up huge in Brownsburg oh, really? on the school board. Yeah, so, something like 75% of the vote. I, I'm not sure. I didn't look for an update this morning, but like at 11 p.m. last night, Wellesley, um tweeted out that he was up, I think, 75% to, you know, whatever, 24% um, in, in the polls there. That's awesome. That is yeah. so awesome. And we've got a couple of local guys making good. You know, Wellesley making good like there. And just – and I didn't put this in the story. I kind of wanted to put a sentence in there and just didn't get around to it. But Michael Grady on the sideline for the Colts-Lions game. You know, we all knew him when. And, uh, and it, it wasn't like he was nobody. He had a cool radio show here and was doing Pacers, the voice of the Pacers inside the arena anyway. And, and he was always the, the busiest man in the, in the market. And, and despite being, you know, small and skinny, he had, had, had pipes of the, 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 voice, the, the voice of God coming out of that little, little body of his. How about him on the sideline now? He's just, he's a rising star. I don't know. You know, you see people every now and then come, come across and you're like, okay, that guy, like nationally, I wonder if they realize what they're looking at because he's – I don't know where he's going, but he's not gotten there yet. Well, he's in the biggest market in America. So uh, wherever he's going to get to, he'll, he'll get, trust me. Uh, you know, you're not going to go unnoticed in Brooklyn and New York City. Um, and he's a great dude. He, um, You're right. That voice is – it stops you in your tracks, right? Um, but you can't just have the voice. You have to work and oh, yeah. you have to – 
be really talented at, at what you do. And, and he's an amazing talent and a, and a good guy. He and I are uh, almost, we're the same high school class and came up. He was interning at Emmis when I was with Greg Regstraw at 950. And I, I remember when he was doing Bob Level, running the board for Bob Level at Network Indiana. And, you know, he kind of got his first break. And with, with the Joe Stasniak, uh, Grady and Big Joe show, right around when I teamed up with, with Jake. So um, I followed along. And, um, yeah, I think we all knew that he was going to, be destined for bigger and better things for sure. And how cool is it for an Indianapolis kid to be on a CBS national broadcast? And he's done games here too, but to, to be calling it for the Colts, I mean, it's, it's every kid's dream to, you know, I, when I was kind of the opposite of Grady, because I grew up out there, I always dreamed of doing sidelines for Knicks games, but now Greg, I can't tell you how happy I am that I'm not doing sidelines for New York Knicks games in 2020. Oh, yeah, <laughs> all right. Be careful what you wish for there. But yeah, yeah. How about local boys making good? How about Matt Taylor? You know the yeah. Ron Colley played at Ron Colley, played football. At Ron Colley went mm-hmm. to Franklin, played there, and just grew up like you would expect a guy like that to grow up in the in, in his parents' basement, pretending to be broadcasting the Indy Five Hundred, pretending to be broadcasting this and that, and pretending to be broadcasting Colts games. And now he is. He's the play-by-play guy for the Colts. So every now and then. Uh, something good happens to people, but but I'm also reminded of how misleading a person's body is uh, based on their voice, because neither you nor Grady have any right to sound like that. Neither one of you. You don't have any right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm mad at both of you because my voice sucks. I don't have a right either. I, my voice should sound like what it sounds like. You know, I'm little and runty and bald, and I'm not pretty, and I, I should sound like I sound like you shouldn't. You you should sound like me as well, and so should Grady. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And thanks for the praise. Um, let's talk college football as well, because we've got more happy stuff to talk about. Uh, an important game for Indiana, I think, to follow up that win over Penn State. And look, they're not a great team, but they're coming back. And another guy that you hate, because you ranted about him last week, and Greg Schiano, um, Indiana keeping Rutger at arm's length. And then <laughs> Purdue, I, I think really the, the final score of the Purdue game doesn't show – how much they really outplayed Illinois. The problem is Purdue couldn't get out of their own way. They made a ton of mistakes, but both of those teams, 2-0 in Big Ten play for the first time since 72. Yeah, yeah, I, I do really hate Shiano. Um, I'm ignoring everything else you said. <laughs> Just yeah. focusing on, on who I hate. And uh, and I don't know if you saw this, but, but Michael Penix in that game was in the victory formation taking knees. And the first time he did that, uh, Rutger, they, they charged the line pretty hard. They were trying to get to him. And, and I tweeted out, you know, be careful – Penix, you know, not like he's not reading my Twitter feed, but like, be careful. That's Greg Shiano over there. Cause he, if you remember when he was at Tampa Bay, oh yeah, he, he was the guy that, and that's not even the reason I hate him. That's just, that's just an example. It's a symptom of the illness that he is, that he tries to attack your quarterback when he's taking a knee at the end of a game that's already lost. So I needed IU to win that game. Just like I need the Patriots to lose to whoever. My favorite team in the NFL every week is whoever's playing the Patriots. My favorite team in the big, in the, in the big 10 every week is whoever's playing Rutger. So I'm thrilled about that. <laughs> Uh, but but I use legit like they're I mean obviously they're 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 and so is Purdue I mean the, these are two legit teams yeah. and I I don't see them meeting the Big Ten title game um, because Ohio State's just going to be a force to be reckoned with but but we can actually think about it we can think about it and it's kind of cute and kind of funny but in the back of your head you have to say to yourself maybe I mean I mean maybe not not likely but maybe because. They both have enough skill and enough coaching and, and enough toughness that you just never know. Craig, you can convince yourself or talk yourself into Indiana beating Michigan. Oh, Indiana for sure I am already. 
Indiana hasn't beaten Michigan since 87. And Indiana's beaten Michigan. I, I got to look it up again. I looked it up like two or three years ago. I think they've beaten Michigan like nine times in like 100 years. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not something that happens. So, yeah, I think you can argue right now Indiana's the second best team in, in the Big Ten East. Um, I don't think they're catching Michigan at a great time because I think Michigan's going to be uh, PO'd after. I, I can't even begin to rationalize or understand their loss to Michigan State because Michigan State is not good. And for them to lose that game, it really you know makes me worry about Harbaugh's status moving forward. But Purdue's path, Greg, is paved. Like they've got five games left, and they've got Minnesota. Indiana's their toughest opponent left. Minnesota, Northwestern, um, Rutgers, their other crossover game in the East. And I'm missing one of their West opponents that's in there. But Purdue football is never again going to have a season where they miss Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Wow. And that's what's happening this year. And they've already beaten Iowa, who's you know historically yeah. a really good team and, and might be a decent team this year. You know, Purdue's going to have – the best player on the field for almost 60 minutes of every game because David Bell is going to be the best player on the field. His Purdue's offense against your defense, whoever you are, the best player of those 22 guys in the field at that moment is David Bell. Every game. He's that good. And when Purdue's on defense, um, it depends on who they're playing, but George Karlaftis, now he hasn't quite produced. He hasn't come close to producing like David Bell. He, you know, he doesn't get that chance either at defensive end, but he's as good as there is. So they've got – and then they've got depth and they've been recruiting. Kind of like IU. When you keep getting four-star guys yeah. and you keep, and start stacking them and you go from having two one year to, to you have two and then four and then four more, now you got ten on your roster or whatever it is both, both schools have, it makes a difference. And we're seeing it at both schools. And uh, anyway, yeah, I could see Purdue, given the schedule you're talking about, like I, I'm not sure who, who they need to be losing to uh, until they get to that IU game. It's true, and, and I'm not saying they're going to lose to IU. That's just that's that'll be a. And great even if game. they lost IU, if they ran the table against the West, they'd be in the Big Ten title game. So even if they lose to IU, I mean, the chances are Wisconsin's not going to be eligible because they're probably going to have to forfeit or not forfeit, um, cancel another game because of this COVID outbreak. It's just a disaster. They've got like 24 players or whatever that uh, that tested positive. Um, this Rondell Moore situation, he's going to play, right? You you don't opt out and then opt back in and then not play. Or, or am I crazy? The, I mean, you could make the argument in, in your head, talk yourself into thinking that he came back, you know, spur of the moment, he was a Big Ten, and everybody, hey, come back and play. And so he decided to come back and play, thought about it more, and decided, you know what, what I can do is stay in shape. I can, you know, train and, and be with my buddies and support them. Don't want to bail on them. I mean, he's a great kid. Don't want to bail on them entirely. Yeah. So I can get, you know, it's possible that, that that's what he's doing, that he's just not going to play. Um, you know, I, there's just rumors out there and, and everybody's heard different ones. And I want to just dispel one. I don't think he has COVID at all. I, I don't think that Purdue would announce certain players have it and not announce him a and B he was on the sideline for the Iowa game. So you're not on the side and he didn't play. So the reason yeah. he didn't play that game wasn't COVID. So I, th there are, there's talk that he maybe has hurt a hamstring again and he is injury prone. We've unfortunately, we've seen that a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. But at this point, if you know, it's one of those deals where if you're, if you're betting money, yes or no, is are you going to bet money that he's going to play or yes or no? That you got to bet no. I mean, you simply have to bet no because Brom's not giving us anything. I mean, no. nothing. And if, yeah. if if anything, Brom is almost kind of, sort of pushing a little bit of pressure on Rondale. And I get it. You know, Rondale says he's going to play. If I'm Jeff Brom, I'm like, okay, well then do it. He says, you know, we hope to get him back. And we can't wait to get him back. He says things like, making it clear, I want him back. So we'll see. But if I was betting money, I'm the answer is no here. 
it sucks too because with as good as Bell's been, I mean, you put those two guys on the same field, it's you could Purdue football could play 50, 75, 100 more years and you wouldn't have a, a combination like those two. Well, and Mil- Milton Wright might be together. a pro. Some- Milton, sorry, but Milton Wright could be a pro someday. Yeah. I, I, I'm not quite seeing a pro yet, but he's he was a great recruit and is looking really good. And Xander Horvath is a great running back. Now, he fumbled the ball a little bit, and we got to work on that. But, I mean, he's big and strong and fast. And, and t- talk about a, a weird topic, but th- there are – I don't think there's been a white – well, McCaffrey's the first white running back in the NFL in how many years? And people have written that story before. That is, it's just – like there's no white cornerbacks either in the NFL since Jason Seenhorn, I think. Just one of those deals. It's just kind of weird, and that's how it is. And Xander Horvath might be next. Um, not as a feature back in the NFL, but at that size, the way he can move. In fact, I know he'll be in the NFL for sure. He will. Well, the fact that we're talking about both Indiana and Purdue's rosters having multiple players with NFL careers. You know, it wasn't that long ago, back when I was in college, you know, 15, 16. Well, I shouldn't use that example because that was the Tiller era where he had a lot of NFL people. But let's say 10 years ago, you know, Indiana and Purdue had like, you know, two or three guys where you felt strongly that they were pro players. And now you look up and down the roster and it's legit talent. I'm not trying to sit here and say that they're Ohio State. I don't think anybody is. But those are two legitimately talented and deep rosters for sure. Um, You got any leftover Halloween candy lying around? Did you take any out for... Did you do trick-or-treating in your neighborhood? No, and why would anybody have done that? And I know people that did, and just why? You know, just why? But people okay. Put, we, we put a table out with, oh, okay. like, individual bags. Okay, so, well, that's cool. Well, that's what it, it, one of these, like, mom's parents groups that I'm in uh, suggested <laughs> that. So, like, a bunch of houses on our street did that, and I thought that it was kind of a safe way, I guess, for kids to just grab the candy and, and go – because I wasn't comfortable with people coming up to the door. You know what I mean? Like, that's we're not close to being ready for that. But um, we've got some left over. I didn't buy a whole bunch because I knew we'd be short on trick-or-treaters. But um, I'm I'm pretty much through the Kit Kats now, which is – I got a soft spot for the Kit Kats. You've got – the smart move is to buy Christmas Halloween candy that you don't want. I know. And it's got to be good enough. Like, you can't just buy a bunch of sweet tarts. I mean, it's got to be good candy that kids will appreciate. But it can't be stuff that you want. Because I've done that before, and I end up eating all those Reese's Cups like that night. It's just not a good yeah. idea. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, we had one of those variety packs that, for some reason, they included Almond Joys, which are terrible. No, they're not. And Take that back. Those are still sitting here in a bag. Nobody I'll, has touched the Almond Joys. But. Leave them out by the street with your garbage, and I'll, I'll beat the garbage truck there. I, I love Almond Joys. I love Almond Joys. <laughs> Mounds bars. Like, I, I, I the hate best. coconut. Coconut's the best. Oh, stop I hate it. coconut. Stop Gross. it. Gross. I like curry, I like know. like Thai curry, but I hate like coconut, like candy coconut. Ugh. I take it back. Your voice sucks, <laughs> especially when it says I hate coconut. You're in rare form today. I kinda, I'm pissed I'm off. Kinda, I'm I, really. Pissed I off. like this Greg Doyle, but I'm kind of scared of this Greg Doyle. Like I feel like you need to step into the octagon right now and spar with somebody. Yeah, my 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 eyes are starting to twitch. Like I used to get that little twitchy feeling before <laughs> I'd fight. I had some, you know, I had fights. My eyes are twitching like I'm ready to go, and, and I'm, I'm kind of ready to go now. One last thing I want to say before we dismount is, and people need to think about this. Uh, America has spoken, and granted, we don't have a winner yet, but tens of millions of people have voted for a guy that told the, uh, what's that racist group, stand down but stand ready? Proud Boys? The Proud Boys. I mean, tens of millions, 50, 60, 70 million have voted for that guy who's all of his things, calls NFL players SOBs, hates on LeBron James, um, 
because he's black. Um, and, and I'm not saying that if you vote for Trump that you, you like the Proud Boys and that you, you know, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, what happened is that you said it's okay for that guy to represent the United States of America. And what I wonder now is pro athletes and college athletes, more than ever, even more than four years ago, no matter who wins this election, they know that a big portion of white America is not okay with who they are. And uh, that's dangerous. And I don't mean dangerous like we're in trouble. I just mean, I guess it's even the wrong word, so I don't mean that. But that's sad. And just imagine being, I don't care how much money you have. Yeah, dog, tell it, dog. I mean, I'm pissed off as you are. So anyway, I just, I hope America knows that's what we've done. If you're a sports fan, what 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 this election has done, it is a told it has told every athlete that you cheer for that when he looks at me, and I want to walk around, walk around apologizing. When they look at me, they're going to wonder, are you? Do you do you think I'm not worthy as well? And the answer to that, of course, is no. I don't think that, but I don't blame you for wondering. Yeah, I, I, look, I, there was going to be a lot of discouragement. Um, regardless of what the result ends up being, there's going to be discouragement. Just try. Try to be a better person every day. Try to, and, and don't give up on trying to make your community and this city a better place too. And I don't think people will, but people get downtrodden about stuff like that. Um, I have concerns just like you do, Greg. I'm especially concerned for, um, you know, my friends that are in the, the, the gay community, um, particularly with what's gone on with the Supreme Court, if this election ends up being where, you know, some people fear it's going to be of, of what the repercussions could be there. Um, but just... I'm trying to, I try to be a positive thinker and I try to just focus on, okay, how can I just internalize this and make this better for me and for my family and for the people around me and for my community. So that's what I'm going to continue to try to do. One, one quick upbeat thing. Um, just like Justice Roberts, you know, they, they've had the conservatives, they've had the majority, they've had it since Roberts was there, but he switched over in a way and said, not everything, but in, in a lot of cases, like, wait a minute, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what I might believe or, you know, what I can hide behind the wall. The law says this. Justice Roberts has not let this country go in the direction you're, you're afraid it might go. And I suspect there's somebody else on that, somebody else among the nine that Justice Roberts will talk to probably and get to come around and say, listen, we can't we can't just start, you know, losing all these causes that we've gained. We can't become like I don't know, or I don't I don't mean to besmirch them, but we can't become a country where where certain things of, of life are just not allowed anymore. Because we that can't happen here. Because we yeah. cannot be Russia. We can't be Korea. We can't be China. It's okay to be who you are in America. And I think that I think we're going to see that happen. I'm not happy about it, but I think I mean I'm not happy about the direction the, the court's gone. But I do think they're going to surprise us in a good way. And at this point, it's all it's all I've got left to hope for. Yeah. No, I'm with you, and I hope you're right. Check out Greg's work, IndyStar.com, IndyStar app. Like, subscribe, support local journalism, especially with this very, very important news cycle. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Doyle and Derek. We'll see you then, Greg. All right, you redeemed your voice. And by the way, follow Allison Carter. She is terrific. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. 
from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.